Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello listeners, and thank you for joining us. I'm Audrey Goh. I head the asset allocation and thematic strategy in the CIO office. I will be your host today for the edition of Through the Noise podcast. We are releasing our weekly updates on the outlook for financial markets today. And an important data release this week was the Federal Reserve meeting minutes, which saw the Federal Reserve turned decisively hawkish against the backdrop of rising inflation. If you look at futures market, uh, it is now pricing in close to 250 basis point hikes over the next 12 months. We believe we are in a reflation environment. However, there is also the risk that the current environment may shift towards stagflation. Now, how does this gel with our constructive views on equity markets? And what does it portend for bond markets and market volatility? So to discuss with me today, I have Fukin Yap, Senior Equity Investment Strategist. And apart from what can perform well under the current macro regime, we will also discuss about energy equities and Chinese high-yield bonds. So welcome, Fukin. Thanks, now, Fukin, the, yeah, the US Federal Reserve seems to be turning uh, more hawkish, and that's been putting pressure on many risk assets. Um, there is an intense debate going on right now between stagflation and reflation. Can you share with our listeners what is the difference between both regimes and why we believe reflation is the more likely scenario? And of course, any implications for investors as a result? Yeah, thanks. Um, the Fed has turned more hawkish in recent weeks uh, amid rising inflation. Uh, but we think this is what happens in a reflation environment. And this is where we are now. And history shows that during reflation, equities and commodities tend to significantly outperform bonds. Uh, hence, with more market volatility in the coming months, as the Fed tightens monetary policy, we will use the volatility to actually add exposure to equities and the riskier bonds. Now, let me explain a bit more about reflation. Uh, this is where GDP growth and inflation is above trend. Okay, so even though growth estimates have been reduced, uh, we still expect over 3% growth this year. And this is well above the long-term trend of 1.8% growth. And inflation could hit 5% this year, we think, uh, well above trend. Uh, hence, we think it is a reflation environment now. And another important indicator is the job market in the US, uh, which is very strong. We saw the unemployment rate falling to 3.6% in March. And we think, in fact, the strong job data and business confidence data is what gives the Fed more confidence to turn more hawkish. Now, of course, there is risk that the current environment shifts towards a stagflation. And a stagflation is uh, defined as a slowing economic growth and rising inflation accompanied by high or rising unemployment. Uh, it is a rare phenomenon. It was last seen in developed markets, especially in the US, in the 1970s. Uh, and typically what happens is equities and bonds will both suffer negative returns during stagflation periods. But we do think this risk is some distance away because the job market is strong now uh, with unemployment rate still falling. So it'll be a key thing to watch the job market. If it weakens, uh, that will raise the stagflation risk. But with this, uh, with this uh, framework, uh, now we think it does point to near-term volatility uh, which is common in the early stages of a Fed rate hike cycle. Uh, but we would use the volatility to add exposure to equities, 
particularly Asia X Japan is our preferred region uh, due to cheaper valuation and more policy support from China. Uh, we'd also prefer riskier bonds and would reduce exposure to your long duration developed market government and investment grade bonds. So if we were to dive into equities, um, energy equities have done pretty well this year, uh, but it has lagged the performance that we've seen in oil prices. And now with the recent announcement of the US as well as the IEA releasing uh, their strategic oil reserves, we've also seen WTI oil prices slipping from their multi-year high as a result. So in your view, will energy equities continue to outperform? Yeah, let, let me talk about the oil price first uh, because it's a key driver and then I'll move on to the equities. So the WTI oil prices, as you say, uh, they have slipped from a multi-year high. Uh, but technically, we expect the support at uh, $93 to $95 per barrel. We think that can hold in the near term. And on the upside, there is strong technical resistance at $105 to $115. So we expect a choppy range-bound price action in the near term. And on the supply side, as I say, we've seen news of the US and the IEA releasing 240 million barrels of oil reserves over the next six months. So that eases some supply concerns. And also with uh, Russia's oil exports, uh, even though it is being hit by sanctions, China and India are also increasing their purchases. So we think the net impact of the Russia sanctions with this reserve release it's only a negative half a million barrels per day, which becomes manageable and not a severe supply disruption. Uh, longer term, though, the ge geopolitical risk with Russia and the Middle East uh, remains elevated. So we believe supply is both vulnerable and volatile. Uh, meanwhile, global demand continues to be robust and it will continue to recover. Hence, we are positive on the oil price. and We think the risk is skewed to the upside. And we would expect near-term dips to be relatively brief and attract buying interest to build up inventory. So if I move on now to energy equities, uh, one of our technical indicators, the fractals, uh, also indicates risk of a near-term pullback, especially for the US energy sector. However, this is not a foregone conclusion, and we believe investors can continue building exposure to energy equities, uh, equities today and uh, take advantage of any weakness to add further. We expect the energy equities in the US, Europe and China to outperform the broader market over the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, this is supported by our constructive view of the oil price. But even with a pullback in the oil price, uh, we think energy equities can outperform. Uh, as you said, there is a sizable performance gap between the oil price. Uh, it is up over 80% in the last five years, uh, while energy equities have a range from being down 2% to up 10%. And we believe this performance gap can narrow with energy equities outperforming. Uh, looking from another perspective, the energy sector contributes 6.5% of the MSCI US index earnings today, but it comprises only 3.7% of the index's market value. Again, this is a gap that we believe should narrow. The oil producers today are disciplined in capex. Uh, they are reluctant to invest in new oil supply and they prefer to invest in sustainable energy themselves. And the companies have also trimmed operating costs significantly uh, through the pandemic. Uh, this has led to a supply crunch as demand is recovering. So within the energy complex, we like uh, integrated oil companies and oil and gas producers. 
and the providers of energy equipment and services, uh, including storage and transportation of oil and gas, can also benefit in our view. So moving on to bonds, it's been quite a challenging environment for bond investors with the rapid rise in US 10-year Treasury bond yields to above 2.6%. Um, but against that backdrop, the prices of Chinese high-yield bonds uh, have actually rebounded quite significantly after Chinese policymakers sent some pos- positive signals on supportive measures coming. Um, in your view, is the recovery we are seeing in China high-yield bonds sustainable? Yes, uh, the Chinese high-yield bonds have rebounded substantially after the authorities gave positive signals, as you say. Um, And since the bottom on 15th of March, uh, Chinese high-yield bonds have rebounded by nearly 25%. Uh, Notably, the property bond prices have seen a partial repair from very deep distress levels. Now, after this strong rebound, we think that a positive catalyst for a sustainable rebound are more limited for now. Uh, First of all, we think the current market valuation might have a lot of fiscal and monetary easing expectations priced in already. Uh, But COVID and the lockdowns in China are putting pressure on the 5.5% annual GDP target. So that is under pressure. Uh, One upside could be if easing policies are brought forward. Uh, Secondly, we think the liquidity at the corporate level could be another factor to watch out for. Uh, In Q1, capital market activities for the high-yield issuers really tumbled year-on-year, and only a handful of issuers could access the onshore interbank market fundings. And stepping to Q2, we will be facing a heavy maturity wall of roughly US$7 dollars in April alone. So without a meaningful replenishment in liquidity, uh, we think there could be more restructuring or default events that could follow. So we expect volatility for the high-yield bonds to spike once again. And overall, we are more cautious about this rebound. Uh, thanks uh, thanks for joining us today, Fukien. So that's all for today's episode of Through the Noise podcast. Uh, please do subscribe, rate, and review us whenever you get a podcast. Once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.